0: Chapter 19 of Life in the Grey Nunnery at Montreal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Life in the Grey Nunnery at Montreal by Sarah Richardson. Chapter 19 Sickness and Death of a Superior. The next excitement in our little community was caused by the sickness and death of our superior. I do not know what her disease was, but she was sick two weeks, and one of the nuns from the kitchen was sent to take care of her. One night she was so much worse the nun thought she would die, and she began to torment her in the most inhuman manner. She had been severely punished a short time before at the instigation of this woman, and she then swore revenge if she ever found an opportunity. Now it was presented. She was in her power, too weak to resist or call for assistance, and she resolved to let her know by experience how bitterly she had made others suffer in days gone by. It was a fiendish spirit, undoubtedly, that prompted her to seek revenge upon the dying but what else could we expect she only followed the example of her elders and if she went somewhat beyond their teachings she had as we shall see her reasons for so doing with hot irons she burned her on various parts of her person cut great gashes in the flesh upon her face sides and arms and then rubbed salt and pepper into the wounds but I will not try to describe it. The wretched woman died before morning, and the nun went to the priest and told him that the superior was dead, and that she had killed her. The priests were immediately all called together, and the bishop called upon for counsel. He sentenced her to be hung that morning in the chapel before the assembled household. THE ABBESS CAME AND INFORMED US WHAT HAD TAKEN PLACE, AND DIRECTED US TO GET READY AND GO TO THE CHAPEL. WHEN WE ENTERED, THE DOOMED GIRL SAT UPON A CHAIR ON THE ALTAR. SHE WAS CLAD IN A WHITE ROBE WITH A WHITE CAP ON HER HEAD, AND APPEARED CALM, SELF-POSSESSED, AND EVEN JOYFUL. The bishop asked her if she had anything to say for herself. She immediately rose and said, I have killed the superior, for which I am to be hung. I know that I deserve to die, but I have suffered more than death many times over from punishments inflicted by her order. For many years my life has been one of continual suffering, and for what for just nothing at all or for the most simple things is it right is it just to starve a person two whole days for shutting the door a little too hard or to burn one with hot irons because a little water was accidentally spilt on the floor yet for these and similar things i have again and again been tortured within an inch of my life now that i am to be hung i am glad of it for i shall die quick and be out of my misery instead of being tortured to death by inches i did this thing for this very purpose for i do not fear death nor anything that comes after it talk about the existence of a god i don't believe a word of it and the story of heaven and hell? Purgatory and the Virgin Mary? Why, it's all a humbug, like the rest of the vile stuff you call religion. Religion, indeed. You won't catch us nuns believing it, and more than that, you don't believe it yourselves, not one of you. She sat down, and they put a cap over her head and face, drew it tight around her neck, adjusted the rope, and she was launched into eternity. To me it seemed a horrid thing, and I could not look upon her dying struggles. I did not justify the girl in what she had done, yet I knew the woman would have died if she had let her alone, and I also knew that worse things than that were done in the nunnery almost every day and that too by the very men who had taken her life i left the chapel with a firm resolve to make one more effort to escape from a thraldom that every day became more irksome at the door the abbess met me and led me to a room i had never seen before where to my great surprise i found my bed She said it was removed by her order, and in future I was to sleep in that room. What? Sleep here alone? I exclaimed, quite forgetting in the agitation of the moment the rule of silent obedience. But she did not condescend to notice either my question or the unpleasant feelings which must have been visible in my features. I did feel very much troubled. I had never slept in a room alone a night in my life. Another nun always occupied the room with me, and when she was absent, as she often was when under punishment, the abbess slept there, so that I was never alone. I did not often meet the girl with whom I slept, as she did not work in the kitchen but whenever I did, I felt as pleased as though she had been my sister. Yet I never spoke to her, nor did she ever attempt to converse with me. Yes, strange as it may seem, incredible as my reader may think it, it is a fact that during all the years we slept together, not one word ever passed between us. We did not dare to communicate our thoughts by signs, lest the abbess should detect us. That night I spent in my new room, but I could not sleep. I had heard strange hints about some room where no one could sleep and where no one liked to go, though for what reason I could never learn. When I first entered, I discovered that the floor was badly stained. And while speculating on the cause of those stains I came to the conclusion that this was the room to which so much mystery was attached it was very dark with no window in it situated in the midst of the house surrounded by other rooms and no means of ventilation except the door I did not close my eyes during the whole night I imagined that the door opened and shut that persons were walking in the room, and I am certain that I heard noises near my bed for which I could not account. Altogether, it was the most uncomfortable night I ever spent, and I believe that few persons would have felt entirely at ease in my situation. To such a degree did these superstitious fears assail me. I felt as though I would endure any amount of physical suffering, rather than stay there another night. Resolved to brave everything, I went to a priest, and asked permission to speak to him. It was an unusual thing, and I think his curiosity was excited, for it was only in extreme cases that a nun ventures to appeal to a priest. When I told him my story, He seemed much surprised, and asked by whose order my bed was moved to that room. I informed him of all the particulars, when he ordered me to move my bed back again. No one, said he, has slept in that room for years, and we do not wish anyone to sleep there. I accordingly moved the bed back, and as I had permission from the priest, the abbess dared not find fault with me. End of chapter 19